Chapter 19 of Elsie Venner. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. Elsie Venner by Oliver Wendell Holmes. Chapter 19 The Spider on His Thread. There was nobody then to counsel poor Elsie except her father who had learned to let her have her own way so as not to disturb such relations as they had together and the old black woman who had a real though limited influence over the girl perhaps she did not need counsel to look upon her one might well suppose that she was competent to defend herself against any enemy she was like to have that glittering piercing eye was not to be softened by a few smooth words spoken in low tones charged with the common sentiments which win their way to maidens hearts that round lithe sinuous figure was as full of dangerous life as ever lay under the slender flanks and clean-shaped limbs of a panther there were particular times when elsie was in such a mood that it must have been a bold person who would have intruded upon her with reproof or counsel. This was one of her days, old Sophie would say quietly to her father, and he would, as far as possible, leave her to herself. These days were more frequent, as old Sophie's keen, concentrated watchfulness had taught her at certain periods of the year. It was in the heats of summer that they were most common and most strongly characterized in winter on the other hand she was less excitable and even at times heavy and as if chilled and dulled in her sensibilities it was a strange paroxysmal kind of life that belonged to her it seemed to come and go with the sunlight all winter long she would be comparatively quiet easy to manage listless slow in her motions her eye would lose something of its strange luster, and the old nurse would feel so little anxiety that her whole expression and aspect would show the change. And people would say to her, Why, Sophie, how young you're looking! As the spring came on, Elsie would leave the fireside, have her tiger's skin spread in the empty southern chamber next the wall, and lie there basking for whole hours in the sunshine. As the season warmed, the light would kindle afresh in her eyes, and the old woman's sleep would grow restless again, for she knew that, so long as the glitter was fierce in the girl's eyes, there was no trusting her impulses or movements. At last, when the veins of the summer were hot and swollen, and the juices of all the poisoned plants and the blood of all the creatures that feed upon them had grown thick and strong, about the time when the second mowing was in hand and the brown wet-faced men were following up the sides as they chased the falling waves of grass falling as the waves fall on sickle curved beaches the foam flowers dropping as the grass flowers drop with sharp semi-vowel consonantal sounds fersh for that is the way the sea talks and leaves all pure vowel sounds for the winds to breathe over it and all mutes to the unyielding earth about this time of overripe midsummer the life of elsie seemed fullest 
of its malign and restless instincts this was the period of the year when the rockland people were most cautious of wandering in the leafier coverts which skirted the base of the mountain and the farmers liked to wear thick long boots whenever they went into the bushes but elsie was never so much given to roaming over the mountain as at this season and as she had grown more absolute and uncontrollable she was as like to take the night as the day for her rambles at this season too all her peculiar tastes in dress and ornament came out in a more striking way than at other times she was never so superb as then and never so threatening in her scowling beauty the barred skirts she always fancied showed sharply beneath her diaphanous muslins the diamonds often glittered on her breast as if for her own pleasure rather than to dazzle others the asp-like bracelet hardly left her arm she was never seen without some necklace either the golden cord she wore at the great party or a chain of mosaics or simply a ring of golden scales some said that elsie always slept in a necklace and that when she died she was to be buried in one it was a fancy of hers but many thought there was a reason for it nobody watched elsie with a more searching eye than her cousin dick venner he had kept more out of her way of late it is true but there was not a movement she made which he did not carefully observe just so far as he could without exciting her suspicion it was plain enough to him that the road to fortune was before him and that the first thing was to marry elsie what course he should take with her or with others interested after marrying her need not be decided in a hurry he had now done all he could expect to do at present in the way of conciliating the other members of the household the girl's father tolerated him if he did not even like him whether he suspected his project or not dick did not feel sure but it was something to have got a foothold in the house and to have overcome any prepossession against him which his uncle might have entertained to be a good listener and a bad billiard player was not a very great sacrifice to effect this object then old sophy could hardly help feeling well disposed towards him after the gifts he had bestowed on her and the court he had paid her these were the only persons on the place of much importance to gain over the people employed about the house and farmlands had little to do with elsie except to obey her without questioning her commands mr richard began to think of reopening his second parallel but he had lost something of the coolness with which he had begun his system of operations the more he had reflected upon the matter the more he had convinced himself that this was his one great chance in life if he suffered this girl to escape him such an opportunity could hardly in the nature of things present itself a second time only one life between elsie and her fortune and lives are so uncertain the girl might not suit him as a wife possibly time enough to find out after he had got her in short he must have the property and elsie venner as she was to go with it and then if he found it convenient and agreeable to lead a virtuous life he would settle down and raise children and vegetables 
but if he found it inconvenient and disagreeable so much the worse for those who made it so like many other persons he was not principled against virtue provided virtue were a better investment than its opposite but he knew that there might be contingencies in which the property would be better without its encumbrances and he contemplated this conceivable problem in the light of all its possible solutions one thing mr richard could not conceal from himself elsie had some new cause of indifference at least if not of aversion to him with the acuteness which persons who make a sole business of their own interest gain by practice so that fortune-hunters are often shrewd where real lovers are terribly simple he fixed at once on the young man up at the school where the girl had been going of late as probably at the bottom of it cousin elsie in love so he communed with himself upon his lonely pillow in love with a yankee schoolmaster what else can it be let him look out for himself he'll stand but a bad chance between us what makes you think she's in love with him met her walking with him don't like her looks and ways she's thinking about something anyhow where does she get those books she is reading so often not out of our library that's certain if i could have ten minutes peep into her chamber now i would find out where she got them and what mischief she was up to at that instant as if some tributary demon had heard his wish a shape which could be none but elsie's flitted through a gleam of moonlight into the shadow of the trees she was setting out on one of her midnight rambles dick felt his heart stir in its place and presently his cheeks flushed with the old longing for an adventure it was not much to invade a young girl's deserted chamber but it would amuse a wakeful hour and tell him some little matters he wanted to know the chamber he slept in was over the room which elsie chiefly occupied at this season there was no great risk of his being seen or heard if he ventured downstairs to her apartment mr richard venner in the pursuit of his interesting project arose and lighted a lamp he wrapped himself in a dressing-gown and thrust his feet into a pair of cloth slippers he stole carefully down the stair and arrived safely at the door of elsie's room the young lady had taken the natural precaution to leave it fastened carrying the key with her no doubt unless indeed she had got out by the window which was not far from the ground dick could get in at this window easily enough but he did not like the idea of leaving his footprints in the flower-bed just under it he returned to his own chamber and held a council of war with himself he put his head out of his own window and looked at that beneath it was open he then went to one of his trunks which he unlocked and began carefully removing its contents what these were we need not stop to mention only remarking that there were dresses of various patterns which might afford an agreeable series of changes and in certain contingencies prove eminently useful after removing a few of these he thrust his hand to the very bottom of the remaining pile and drew out a coiled strip of leather many yards in length ending in a noose a tough well-seasoned lasso looking as if it had seen service and was none the worse for it 
he uncoiled a few yards of this and fastened it to the knob of a door then he threw the loose end out of the window so that it should hang by the open casement of elsie's room by this he let himself down opposite her window and with a slight effort swung himself inside the room he lighted a match found a candle and having lighted that looked curiously about him as claudius might have done when he smuggled himself in among the vestals elsie's room was almost as peculiar as her dress and ornaments it was a kind of museum of objects such as the woods are full of to those who have eyes to see them but many of them such as only few could hope to reach even if they knew where to look for them crow's nests which are never found but in the tall trees commonly enough in the forks of ancient hemlocks eggs of rare birds which must have taken a quick eye and a hard climb to find and get hold of mosses and ferns of unusual aspect and quaint monstrosities of vegetable growth such as nature delights in showed that elsie had her tastes and fancies like any naturalist or poet nature when left to her own freaks in the forest is grotesque and fanciful to the verge of license and beyond it the foliage of trees does not always require clipping to make it look like an image of life from those windows at canoe meadow among the mountains we could see all summer long a lion rampant a shanghai chicken and general jackson on horseback done by nature in green leaves each with a single tree but to nature's tricks with boughs and roots and smaller vegetable growths there is no end her fancy is infinite and her humor not always refined there is a perpetual reminiscence of animal life in her rude caricatures which sometimes actually reach the point of imitating the complete human figure as in that extraordinary specimen which nobody will believe to be genuine except the men of science and of which the discreet reader may have a glimpse by application in the proper quarter elsie had gathered so many of these sculpture-like monstrosities that one might have thought she had robbed old sophie's grandfather of his fetishes they helped to give her room a kind of enchanted look as if a witch had her home in it over the fireplace was a long staff-like branch strangled in the spiral coils of one of those vines which strain the smaller trees in their clinging embraces sinking into the bark until the parasite becomes almost identified with its support with these sylvan curiosities were blended objects of art some of them not less singular but others showing a love for the beautiful in form and color such as a girl of fine organization and nice culture might naturally be expected to feel and to indulge in adorning her apartment all these objects pictures bronzes vases and the rest did not detain mr richard venner very long whatever may have been his sensibilities to art he was more curious about books and papers a copy of keats lay on the table he opened it and read the name of bernard c langdon on the blank leaf an envelope was on the table with elsie's name written in a similar hand but the envelope was empty and he could not find the note it contained her desk was locked and it would not be safe to tamper with it he had seen enough the girl received books and notes from this fellow up at the school 
this usher this yankee quill-driver he was aspiring to become the lord of the dudley domain then was he elsie had been reasonably careful she had locked up her papers whatever they might be there was little else that promised to reward his curiosity but he cast his eye on everything there was a clasp bible among her books dick wondered if she ever unclasped it there was a book of hymns it had her name in it and looked as if it might have been often read what the diablo had elsie to do with hymns mr richard venner was in an observing and analytical state of mind it will be noticed or he might perhaps have been touched with the innocent betrayals of the poor girl's chamber had she after all some human tenderness in her heart that was not the way he put the question but whether she would take seriously to this schoolmaster and if she did what would be the neatest and surest and quickest way of putting a stop to all that nonsense all this however he could think over more safely in his own quarters so he stole softly to the window and catching the end of the leathern thong regained his own chamber and drew in the lasso it needs only a little jealousy to set a man on who is doubtful in love or wooing or to make him take hold of his courting in earnest as soon as dick had satisfied himself that the young schoolmaster was his rival in elsie's good graces his whole thoughts concentrated themselves more than ever on accomplishing his great design of securing her for himself there was no time to be lost he must come into closer relations with her so as to withdraw her thoughts from this fellow and to find out more exactly what was the state of her affections if she had any so he began to court her company again to propose riding with her to sing to her to join her whenever she was strolling about the grounds to make himself agreeable according to the ordinary understanding of that phrase in every way which seemed to promise a chance for succeeding in that amiable effort the girl treated him more capriciously than ever she would be sullen and silent or she would draw back fiercely at some harmless word or gesture or she would look at him with her eyes narrowed in such a strange way and with such a wicked light in them that dick swore to himself they were too much for him and would leave her for the moment yet she tolerated him almost as a matter of necessity and sometimes seemed to take a kind of pleasure in trying her power upon him this he soon found out and humoured her in the fancy that she could exercise a kind of fascination over him though there were times in which he actually felt an influence he could not understand an effect of some peculiar expression about her perhaps but still centering in those diamond eyes of hers which it made one feel so curiously to look into whether elsie saw into his object or not was more than he could tell his idea was after having conciliated the good will of all about her as far as possible to make himself first a habit and then a necessity with the girl not to spring any trap of a declaration upon her until tolerance had grown into such a degree of inclination as her nature was like to admit he had succeeded in the first part of his plan he was at liberty to prolong his visit at his own pleasure this was not strange 
these three persons dudley venner his daughter and his nephew represented all that remained of an old and honourable family had elsie been like other girls her father might have been less willing to entertain a young fellow like dick as an inmate but he had long outgrown all the slighter apprehensions which he might have had in common with all parents and followed rather than led the imperious instincts of his daughter it was not a question of sentiment but of life and death or more than that some dark ending perhaps which would close the history of his race with disaster and evil report upon the lips of all coming generations as to the thought of his nephew's making love to his daughter it had almost passed from his mind he had been so long in the habit of looking at elsie as outside of all common influences and exceptional in the law of her nature that it was difficult for him to think of her as a girl to be fallen in love with many persons are surprised when others court their female relatives they know them as good young or old women enough aunts sisters nieces daughters whatever they may be but never think of anybody's falling in love with them any more than of their being struck by lightning but in this case there were special reasons in addition to the common family delusion reasons which seemed to make it impossible that she should attract a suitor who would dare to marry elsie no let her have the pleasure if it was one at any rate the wholesome excitement of companionship it might save her from lapsing into melancholy or a worse form of madness dudley venner had a kind of superstition too that if elsie could only outlive three septenaries twenty-one years so that according to the prevalent idea her whole frame would have been thrice made over counting from her birth she would revert to the natural standard of health of mind and feelings from which she had been so long perverted the thought of any other motive than love being sufficient to induce richard to become her suitor had not occurred to him he had married early at that happy period when interested motives are least apt to influence the choice and his single idea of marriage was that it was the union of persons naturally drawn towards each other by some mutual attraction very simple perhaps but he had lived lonely for many years since his wife's death and judged the hearts of others most of all his brother's son by his own he had often thought whether in case of elsie's dying or being necessarily doomed to seclusion he might not adopt this nephew and make him his heir but it had not occurred to him that richard might wish to become his son-in-law for the sake of his property it is very easy to criticize other people's modes of dealing with their children outside observers see results parents see processes they notice the trivial movements and accents which betray the blood of this or that ancestor they can detect the irrepressible movement of hereditary impulse in looks and acts which mean nothing to the common observer to be a parent is almost to be a fatalist this boy sits with legs crossed just as his uncle used to whom he never saw his grandfathers both died before he was born but he has the movement of the eyebrows which we remember in one of them and the gusty temper of three different generations can tell pretty nearly the range of possibilities and the limitations of a child actual or potential 
of a given stock errors accepted always because children of the same stock are not bred just alike because the traits of some less known ancestor are liable to break out any time and because each human being has after all a small fraction of individuality about him which gives him a flavor so that he is distinguishable from others by his friends or in a court of justice and which occasionally makes a genius or a saint or a criminal of him it is well that young persons cannot read these fatal oracles of nature blind impulse is her highest wisdom after all we make our great jump and then she takes the bandage off our eyes that is the way the broad sea-level of average is maintained and the physiological democracy is enabled to fight against the principle of selection which would disinherit all the weaker children the magnificent constituency of mediocrities of which the world is made up the people without biographies whose lives have made a clear solution in the fluid menstruum of time instead of being precipitated in the opaque sediment of history but this is a narrative and not a disquisition End of chapter nineteen